it's awesome to sit in the presence of God and to see his people worship him in spirit and in truth because that's what he asked us to do. And I just love the Bridge Church, don't you? I'm just in love. Thank you. Thank you. Don't you love the Bridge Church? Yeah, I do. Where Leslie gets to sit in the center and everybody watch her? Right where she wants to be. Generational gaps is the message series that we're in for sure. And in a world of divisions, we're prone to naturally divide, but God of heaven and earth is seeking to unite his body and unite his children into one. And these generational gaps that we'll be speaking about is something that I believe that God wants to allow us to abandon and allow us to seek him while he may be found. Amen? And he wants us to be a united church, not a divided church. And I'm so glad that we're sitting in a house this morning of multi-generations of people. There's people born in all different uh, portions throughout time. Um, we have anybody born in the 40s? Anybody, anybody born in the 40s? Stand up, Betty. Anybody else born in the 40s? You're willing to stand up with Betty and say, that's me? All right. Come on. All right. There's my mother-in-law. Get on up, mother-in-law. The, the, the truth will set you free, Karen. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a big hand, the 40s. Anybody born in the 50s? I want to see anybody born in the 50s. Who, who do we have here born in the 50s? Oh, my mama. Wow, there's my mama. She's born in the 50s. Let's give the 50s a big hand. How about people born in the 60s? We have any 60s. There we go. Jumped on up. There we go. Yeah, get, get on up. You're born in the 60s. Be proud of who you're from. Amen. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. How about the 70s? Any of us 70s children? That's with me. I'm already standing up. Looky here. Represent baby the 70s. How about that? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Amen. How about the 80s? Anybody 80 kids in here? Come on now, 80s. Let's give it a hand for the 80s. Look at that. Look at that. Awesome group of people. Now the 90s. Anybody born in the 90s? Get oh well. Okay, you don't have to stand up. You, you can sit down too. That's good. But everybody stood up in the 90s. How awesome of a crowd is that? Amen. How about the ought group? The ought through ten. Anybody born in? Oh, they're over there. Most of them. Oh, you are? You was born in the ought years? Come on. Stand up. Stand up. Get up. Get up. More than that. Get up. There, there we go. There we go. There they are. Represent. Represent. How awesome is that? See, I forget. Oh, Tabor didn't stand up. You was born in the ought too? Come on, Tuber. Tuber, represent your club, man. A while back, I was teaching a class up work, and I've told this before, and I asked them, you know, what they was doing during line 11, and someone was saying, well, I was just born, and it's kind of scary, <laughs> you know, that we think in my generation, it's like, man, 9-11 was yesterday. Anybody feel like that? It was yesterday. Uh, some of you were in grade school, I guess, when that happened. Uh, generational gaps are there to where that we uh, don't recognize uh, that we are a little different, but yet, God has created us the same. 
The Bible says we are created in his image. Amen. It says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has designed us for such a time as this. And I'm so grateful that God is in our midst today through your hearts and through his word and through what we're getting ready to say. We did have an awesome turnout last weekend, and it's been my prayer for a long, long time to be a church uh, that reaches the people in Lewis County of all different uh, genres of life, whether in age, uh, whether in race, whether in any uh, social economic impact type thing. And people was there last weekend, and we had some people from all different groups of our of our county and our surrounding regions and even people from a little farther away. And we're so grateful for what God's doing in our midst. Amen. Amen. And we had 201 in attendance last Sunday at our Easter service, and that's the record for our church. Um, previous record was 159, but God is doing great things in our midst, and we're so grateful that you invited your friends and your family and your loved ones out, and we know that God did some incredible things last week. Uh, multiple, multiple, multiple. There was uh, more than a dozen people raised their hand, either in recommitting their life to Jesus or salvation for the first time. And it was an awesome thing to witness, and I'm so grateful. And the hard work you did in making that, and like Leslie said, everybody working Saturday and Sunday morning and getting everything ready and prepared, you all uh, are an integral part of that. And there is an account that you have in heaven that those souls that were won last week goes on to your account because God has us all in this together. Amen? So just since... Man, those fans are on, aren't they? They feel good or bad? They feel good? Everybody good? Okay, I want to make sure it's that they're humming today for some reason. They're on high speed, but it's good. Yeah, messing my brother's hair up. That's pretty bad. Hey, Tabby, just go ahead and rub it there a little bit. Make sure Patty's hair down. Keep it, keep it straight for him there so it don't get out of whack. Um, Malachi 4, 5, and 6 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming at the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you open our hearts today. God, that you open our ears to be able to hear what you're saying to the church. God, allow us to be a church that's on the front line that Pastor Wells preached to us just a few weeks ago. God, that we would be on the one Lord yard line from hell and lord that we would be there to protect those that are trying to enter into hell in eternity god give us the ability to stand when all else fails god give us the boldness to proclaim your word that we would preach the truth and we would reach your people in jesus name i pray everybody says amen, amen. in the old testament there's a verse that talks about how that in Psalms 103 is where it's written. It says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto, children, unto children's children. How many would like the mercy of God to be on your life and passed alongside to your children? And to your children's children. 
that it will be multi-generational, that it will go beyond the boundaries of my life, that the grace of God and the mercy of God that is upon me would extend to those after me. So as this is being written by the psalmist, there is a, a, a look in the Bible here, and also in Proverbs 13:22 says, A good man leaveth inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So a lot of people quote this verse, but they always quote the last portion of it, but not the first portion of it. And they'll say that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, or the wealth of the sinner. And, but really, the first part of that verse is more important to me, because a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. So the Bible wants us to be good stewards. Everybody say, I'm a steward. That means you're somebody that takes care of your possessions, whether that is your time, talent, or treasures. You have to take care of and steward and take an account for all those things. And we need to budget those accordingly. You need to have a budget on your financials, amen? Because if you don't save money, you'll never be able to retire someday. You have to apply that early on in life, get started in that. If your uh, employer offers you a 4% matching fund in an in a IRA or in a 401k or something like that, get involved early. The sooner you start saving, compounding interest, we know this, that it saves up. And whenever you have that inheritance that you have and you don't draw it all out and there's more left after you're done, how many would like to have that? Amen. I'd like to have more left after I'm done that'll go on to the next generation. And not only stop with them, but that generation will be, would start their life and career so blessed and already ahead of the curve that it would flow through to the next generation. Come on, somebody. Say amen. We need to serve a God that we know is capable to do anything but fail. He will not fail you, but he gives you wisdom to take care of what he's given you. He's entrusted you with financial blessings to be a blessing to your kids, not just now, but in the future. Amen? Amen. Don't give it all to them now. Come on, somebody. Don't give it all to them now, because what will they do? They'll chew bubble gum and eat Hershey's. Amen. They'll go grab some Snickers or something and eat pizza and just do whatever they want. They'll squander it when they're young, when they don't understand. If you give it to them when they're older, they will understand how to steward the things God's given them. I do believe it's wise, though, for you sitting in here right now that you've got children that's in their teenage years, don't leave them out of budget questions or things you're doing in your home. So I, I really believe that you should set them down. And I know I'm speaking from a perspective that you're sitting there looking saying, well, you don't have kids. Nana and a boo-boo. <laughs> But I truly believe this, that you should set them down and let them work through your budget with you so that they understand how finances work. The reason there is a curse on this earth today is because one generation won't help the next generation. And if you don't pass wisdom along to them, guess what? They're never going to understand. So allow them to see and know, well, this month we got this much coming in. We need to pay this many bills. Water don't come free. Amen? Electric doesn't just happen for free. That's why your dad's walking through the house every day flipping off light switches. Come on, dads. Any dads in the house walking around? What? You own the electric company or what? You got to shut this off, you know. I'm like, I don't like the dark. I don't care. Go sit in the room with the light on. Leave all the rest of them off. Amen, dads. That's usually the dad's job. Maybe it's the mom if you're a tightwad like Leslie. I go through the house, turn lights on. She goes behind me and turns them off. 
I go and turn the thermostat up so I'll be warm, don't have to sit with the blanket. She goes in there and turns it down. It's just the way it is. It's uh, She's the controller in my house, but that's okay. I'll live with a blanket. It'll be fine. But generations need to bless the next generation, not only with financial blessings and monetary value, but with knowledge. Amen? That you pass along an understanding, and the sooner they know it, the better they'll live it out. Don't let them leave your home never having looked at a checkbook or a checking account or a banking balance. Amen? You need to entrust them a little bit and pull them into the fold and say, look, here's why we're doing what we're doing as a home. I think you'll be blessed because of it. I think you'll bless the next generation because of it. Then they're not going to walk out and say, well, I don't even know how to do that. Heard a story a while back and talking to a guy, and his son is, I think, 24, 25 years old, and they always just do everything for them, they, you know, help their kid, and there's nothing wrong with that. You should help your kids, amen. And because they leave the nest don't mean you give up on them and say, I ain't helping them no more, amen. So this family always does everything, helps them and all that, and pretty much does everything for them. And uh, the son come walking in, and he, he handed it to his dad, one of his bills, and his dad's like, okay, just go over and just go ahead and write your own check. And, and you got your checkbook, write it, and, you know, and, and take care of that, and then, then mail it to him. So I'm sitting there and had a blank look on his face. And finally, the dad, just do it. You know, get it done. Come on, what's wrong with you? You're 25 years old. Son sitting there like, finally, the son, dad, I've never wrote an envelope out. I don't, where does the stamp go? It's very true. And that's just not one, a one-case scenario. That happens a lot. But if you don't train them, don't blame them. Come on. Do you hear me? If you don't train them, don't blame them. I, that'd make a good tweet right there, wouldn't it, Ryan? Sammy, tweet that if you don't care. Pastor Benism, 101, right there. If you don't train them, don't blame them. It's the way it is. One of our people that helped us when we went through a healthy church model back in 2012 he, or 13, he said... Um, talking about training and even in church things. He said, train hard and manage easy. It's something you have to do. And that's what you have to do with kids. Train really hard and manage them really easy. Because if you do the hard training, guess what? It's going to pay off. Because if you teach them how to write out an envelope, they'll know how to write out an envelope. But if you just sit there and say, I'm going to manage them hard, and say, why don't you know how to do that, stupid? They don't know how to do it. You need to train them. Amen. So these things that's being said here, and also back in Acts, in the New Testament, it said, Acts 13, 36, says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. So David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, we need some servants in this world that we're living in. Amen? There needs to be a servanthood that we have upon us. And it's almost a mantle of God that will rest on our shoulders. Because Jesus told us he didn't come to lead. He didn't come. He come to serve. A lot of people want to lead, but very few want to serve. 
And I believe that we need some servanthood in our church, in, in my life. I need to be a better servant. You need to be a better servant. And the better we serve, guess what? The better our church will be. And the better our world will be. So as we do this and we teach it to a generation, because David was a person after God's own heart. That's how God described David through the Bible. He was a man after God's own heart. How many would like to be like that? That's the type of men we need to be. That's the type of moms we need to be. That's the type of grandparents we need to be. So as God is helping us, but he served his own generation by the will of God. If we're going to break down these generational gaps, if we're going to tear down the barriers that's always hindered the world and God comes and curses the work that we've done because we didn't do it in the way he trained us to do to be a generational blessing people, we can expect nothing different than the world to just carry on and go on the same path that it always had. How many is ready to break the curse? Amen. Apply Jesus to what he's doing and in your life. And when you accept him as your Lord and Savior and you say, take care of business, Jesus. Do whatever you want to do with my life. I give you my life. Let me say what you want me to say. Let me do what you want me to do. I promise you this, that it will transform your life, that your children and your children's children will begin to see, man, my dad, my mom, my grandma, my grandpa is somebody that has a heart after God. It is noticeable. Amen? It is noticeable, and it will transcend your generation to the next. So, last week we talked about how that Malachi said this, and our, our key verse there, Malachi 4, is the verse that ended the Old Testament to set, up, set us up for the New Testament. And he said that Elijah the prophet was coming, and whenever he did, that he would, he would come, and in a way he would be the forerunner for who was to come after him. So, I want us to read today for this message. Wow, I had a 14-minute introduction. That was awesome. I've got 16 minutes left to actually preach a sermon now. This is cool. Um, Matthew 11, 1 through 19. I want us to read these verses. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 19. Man, Wednesday night rocked. If you wasn't here Wednesday night, uh, you missed out on a treat. I promise you that. It was an awesome time here, people getting into the Word uh, uh, studying the scripture and, and just hearing what God was doing. And it's amazing. To, I broke them out in groups, and, and it's just awesome getting to hear groups uh, search through scripture for truth. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 19 says, When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in the towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, Isn't the Bible just absolutely wild sometimes? You read a verse like that. Jesus instructing his disciples to do some things, going out and preaching and teaching in regions of the earth, and then the next verse, John the Baptist, who was in prison. What would you say? That's life. Amen. Amen. Some of us are in a season of blessing right now. Amen. And others of us seems like we're in a season of confusion. Amen. And one thing's good about the church and having a body of believers and having a group of people that you come into contact with known as a church. Amen. As Bible says, is when one weak, one is weak, the other one is strong, and they can lift the one that is weaker. Amen. We are in this thing together. Amen. We lift each other up. We pray for each other. We seek God's face together. 
No matter what circumstance you're in, whether it's like this, that the disciples were out being instructed by Jesus and the forerunner that was to prepare the way for Jesus to be the Messiah and do the work that he had to do on this earth was in prison. This is the same John the Baptist that I preached about last week that took Jesus when he come down off the hill, come into the water. John the Baptist is saying, I'm not worthy to loose uh, your sandals even, Jesus, and you're asking me to baptize you? Are you serious? It's kind of the way we are sometimes that we think we're not worthy to do work for God. But God has called you to do his work. Why? Because he uses willing vessels. He equips you to do the work that he's called you to do. So as John the Baptist was in prison, he heard about all these things the Messiah was doing. How many likes hearing about the good things Jesus is doing? Amen. That he heals a lady's brother. Amen. Come on. That he heals him through the doctor's hands, through the physician. The great physician was involved in that. Amen. And now his heart is beating. Blood is flowing again. What was it, a five-way bypass? Amen. Amen. But a bypass like that, that is so scary. But God is in the midst. God is on the move. How much do we trust Him? How much do we believe Him and say, yes, God. Amen. Or if ever you have an accident, next thing you know, you're worried about your foot. And say it gets on her. Come on, church, because we got a prayer group, and and I thank God for the bridge prayer group. That there's a bunch of people in that prayer group, and somebody can get on there and post. And if they send me a prayer request, I automatically put it in that prayer group. Usually, I ask you, do you care if I put it in the prayer group? And then I put it in there, and all of them begin to pray. It changes things. Prayer changes things. And we need to hear those good news reports come back to the body as a whole to say, "Wow, only God can do those things." He needs to receive the glory for it. Amen. But John heard these things and he heard the things that the Messiah was doing. And he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. John was still discipling people. You understand that? He was sitting in a prison cell Hadn't done anything wrong just because the king wanted to put him in prison because he was doing too many good things. And he puts him in prison. And as John is sitting there in prison, he's still discipling people. How much should the church today have connection groups? Amen, Ryan. Ryan and Elizabeth helps us with connection groups and leads the connection groups. That is discipleship. That is discipleship. And John the Baptist was still doing that even as a prisoner. We have no excuses. Amen? I have no excuses to not disciple people. It's my job as a pastor to oversee that and do that and lead in that and serve in that. And I thank God that even... 14-year-old kids is brave enough in this church to stand up and say, me and my generation, we're going to serve God and we're going to have fun and we're going to have a good time and come and meet up with us. And it's just amazing to see what God does when people are in communion together. 
And John asks his disciples, go and ask this question. Verse 3, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? As I just said, John was the guy that said, this is the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is John the Baptist who baptizes Jesus, brings him out of the water. Here's the Heavenly Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Seeing the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. Seeing Jesus coming up out of that water. And here he is a few years later asking this question. Are you the Messiah? The calling on John the Baptist's life was to be the forerunner to set the stage for Jesus to come on the scene. That was his calling. That was he, he was, God ordained him to do that from the foundations of the world. Amen? His mom and dad served in, in, in religious things, but he was a guy that was out in the River Jordan doing God's work, ends up in prison, He was still discipling, but he had doubts. Anybody in the room ever doubt? I need a better show of hands. Like that. Anybody in the room ever doubt? <laughs> doubt yourself? Doubt your capabilities? Doubt your calling? Doubt what God's doing? And as we say that, think about this. Doubt pushes out faith. Doubt pushes out faith. John the Baptist was a person of faith, Amy. He trusted God. He was doing baptizing work in the River Jordan because he trusted God and believed God had called him to do so. But here he ends up in a prison cell. And as he was sitting in this prison cell... Doubt began to set in. How many knows our external can affect our internal? Amen. Bad company corrupts moral people. It, it corrupts our morality. And Leslie said we need to hang out with some people that's not saved. That's the truth. Amen. You need to have some sinner friends. And anybody that's in the church that doesn't have sinner friends, I challenge you today to go out and begin to make friends with some sinner people. Can I call you a sinner, Cindy? Is that okay? Okay, that's fine. Okay, she was a sinner. <laughs> Leslie was just driving a bus and met her at the bus training and stuff. Neighbor, don't live two doors down from us. Leslie becomes friends, goes kayaking with her, doesn't beat her over the head with the Bible, just goes and has a good time. Next thing you know, Cindy comes to church one weekend and sitting there and tears begin to flow and her heart begins to shake and God transforms her life and she goes from sinner to saint in an instant. Amen? That's what salvation is. 
That's why you want to have sinner friends, not so that they stay sinners, so they become saints. Somebody say amen. That's what God wants us to do as a church. But doubt will set in where we get in a circumstance that just, it just seems like we've been pummeled by just every doubt, everything going wrong, and it seems like nothing can go right, and it's just all gloom and doom. And depression sets in, and all these outer things that takes over our life. It will cause us to begin to doubt God. And doubt pushes out faith. But how many believe God's bigger than that? How many believe we serve a God that's bigger than that? Amen? So I believe today that the Bible says in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I truly believe that, that faith happens, whether it's listening to worship music and putting on Caleb on your car and listening to that, whether it's going and finding some sermons and listening back through and, and finding some preaching on some YouTube or something like that and begin to listen to the Word of God and see if I'm, what I'm telling you is the truth. The second you start doing that, the faith begins to rise up on the inside of you because then when bad things happen, they continue to happen, you're sitting there thinking, yeah, you know what, devil, you're trying real hard to take me out of this thing known as the church, you're trying to take me away from being one of God's kids, but guess what? Today I'm going to decide I'm going to listen to God, I'm going to believe His Word, I'm going to live it out and watch this, because faith that I'm having rise up in me right now is pushing out doubt. How many would like to experience some of that faith? Amen? The gift of faith that it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gift of faith. Galatians tells us that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Man, I need some faith. Jesus' disciples even asked him one time, increase our faith, God. How many would like that? To push out some doubts, to push out some fears, to push out those things that the enemy is speaking in my ear. Get away from me, devil. Amen. In the name of Jesus, get away from me. Amen. Declare it over your life right now. Even if it's just in your heart. You don't have to use your mouth to do that. It's better if you do. I believe. Amen. Out of the mouth. Amen. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Begin to speak out of your mouth. Say, not today. Not today, devil. It's not going to work that way today. I'm a child of God. You can't drag me away. Why? Because Jesus said you won't pluck me out of my hand. Somebody said that Wednesday night. You can't pluck me out of his hand. Amen. Greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. Verse 4. I've got three minutes to finish. Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. Imagine that news reaching back. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. Talking about John the Baptist. Now Jesus, it changed his sermon that day. I want to talk about John for a minute, Jesus. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to talk to them in the crowds. What kind of man did you go see in the wilderness? Was he a weak reed swaying every breath of the wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? 
Yes, and he was more than a prophet. John is the man who scripture refer that say, Look, I'm sending a messenger ahead of you. I will prepare a way before you. Jesus quoted here, verse 11, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. That's a pretty big statement Jesus made there. John the Baptist was the greatest that had ever lived. And can you imagine these Jewish people sitting here hearing this sermon about Jesus, from Jesus about John the Baptist? They're thinking, huh? Elijah in the Old Testament? You're telling me John the Baptist is greater than him? Moses that went up on the mountain, got the Ten Commandments, carried them down, led Israel out of the Red Sea, all the things and the miracles that Moses did? Are you telling me he's greater than Abraham that took his son up on the side of a mountain willing to go plumb to the end with it and God calls and sends a ram in his place? Are you telling me he's greater than Abraham? Do you really believe that John the Baptist is greater than Adam who God created with his very own hands? Can you feel what I feel right now? Do you know what I'm saying? Jesus is preaching this and telling them, great is this man that has just prepared a way to give me a voice to speak to you today. And as John the Baptist couldn't know, he couldn't hear these words. He was in prison. Verse 12, and from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And violent people are attacking it. Jesus foresaw what was coming. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. Everybody say this present time. You may not know it, but you're living at the right time. Amen. You're living in the day and the hour where the world can hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. I listened to a podcast this past week and the guy was bragging. He was talking about how that former generations had to send missionaries and they would go around the world and thank God for missionaries. I believe in missionaries wholeheartedly. We as a church just we put our life into that and all of our we, we just thank you Mackenzie. Amen. I'm sure Lathan has to put up with it a little bit too. Oh, wow, look, they messaged me all. Read this email, Lathan. Oh, it's awesome. And this guy on the podcast was talking about how that his dad, elderly, 70-some years old, can't go on missionary journeys any longer. But he can set this home and he can correspond with people now throughout all over the world that he's met. That, he's, that somehow Facebook tags us and we get friends and we, we find all these things. And next thing you know, he's, he's messaging these people and he's telling them about Jesus and the story of Jesus. And people are getting saved across Facebook. Amen? How many of those platforms we can curse them and say, oh, that no good Facebook or whatever. But guess what? Let's let God use whatever he wants, whatever means he wants to use. Amen? And whatever platform he wants to use, let's use it for kingdom building activities. Amen? Where the people will come to know Jesus. It's the time that we're living in is special for sure. Other generations have not had that. And if you're willing to stay, accept what I say, he is Elijah, Jesus said. The one of the prophets said would come. Verse 15, anyone, 15, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Listen up, church. 
to what can I compare this generation? This is Jesus' words himself. To what can I compare this generation? Everybody say this generation. These next verse, this next words are very, very important. It is like children playing a game in the public square. Too many of us are playing with life. God doesn't want us to do that. He wants you to have fun. I'm not saying be an old fuddy-duddy. Jesus said, how can I explain this generation? It's like children playing a game in the public square. The next part of that says they complain to their friends. I talked a minute ago about doubt. And now Jesus is saying this generation is complainers. I had a meme that I wanted to put up, but I didn't get it put in the computer in time, so I'll share it later. It's a picture that I seen spread around on Facebook a few weeks ago, and it's this elderly lady, and she was sitting there, and she was like, this generation, they don't never go outside and play like my generation did. Everybody say that's complaining. Then it's got another picture over down below her with some kids outside on some dirt bikes and her calling the law. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Any complainers in the house? Amen. Have we got doubters and we got complainers? Amen. Jesus said that's who we are. If he wanted to talk about this generation, that's who we are. We are doubters and complainers. Let's not get caught up in talking negatively about other generations. Let's get caught up talking about what our God can do in our generation. Said David served his generation. I don't think there was an age limit on it. I don't think there, King David just served little kids. I don't just believe he just served teenagers. I don't believe he served just the 20 somethings. I don't believe he served the people of middle aged, you know, ones with crises. <laughs> I don't believe he just served the empty nesters. I don't believe he just served the senior citizens. I believe King David, when it says he served his generation, meant them all. Let's tear down the barriers. And let's open up our hearts to say, I'm tired of doubting. And I'm tired of complaining. I'm ready to see what God can do. Amen. Amen. Won't you close your eyes? Bow your head.
Jesus, I pray that you will give us boldness in this room today. God, that you would just allow us to stand up for you in a generation that needs to hear God is still alive. He's still on the throne. And he still has willing servants on this earth. God, help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Give us boldness today, God. Give us strength today, God. Give us courage today, God. Increase our faith today, God. And Lord, most of all, stop our mouth from complaining. In Jesus' name. Amen. Since January 1 of this year, our church is... We're transforming. It blows me away at what God is doing. And I was sitting over here a moment ago, and I was just sitting there, and I was thinking, and I just feel like that Leslie was talking about baptism and how that we need to go through with water baptism and how that that's the next step in declaring what God is doing in our life, that it's an outward profession of an inward faith. And we're going to do that in June. I can't wait to get it in the water. I think this year is going to be our biggest year in baptisms that we've had in a long, long time. Amen. I think it's getting ready to be something awesome. And every year has been awesome. We, we have usually done at least 10 or more people every year, at least in baptisms. And Just thinking back through Gage's baptism, I was driving to work there the other day. And I don't know who all was at his baptism up at the Kentucky Heights campus that time, but just seeing Gage and that was the most emotional baptism I've ever experienced in my life. And I just sensed and knew that God's got a calling on Gage's life. And it was something super important as I was baptizing a young kid. It was happening. And as I was sitting there thinking about these things, I thought, man, I get to witness a lot of people raise their hands, whether it's in salvation First time you've never accepted Jesus before and you said, man, I feel like God's dealing with me today and I, I need to make a statement to say, Pastor, pray for me because today I'm offering my life to Jesus. And I get to witness that. And I do pray for you. After I leave, I pray for you and I pray that God will give you courage and strength and all those things. Then there's also rededication that Leslie talked about that, you know, sometimes we just drift kind of too far from the shore. My mom can tell you stories about that, how that she went to church one time and ended up in church and just believed God, got water baptized in ice and, and just believed God at Wright's Chapel. She just loved God and loved people. But life happened, and the next thing you know, she woke up one morning and seen herself for years not attending church and actually drifting completely too far away. Earl, you know what I'm talking about. And there's a rededication thing to where we come back to God and say, God, I've left you. You didn't leave me. And I want to be back. And I've witnessed that. I've witnessed that so many times. So today I want to give some people, if you have either been saved or rededicated your life since January 1 of this year, and you've raised your hand, you've lifted your hand, and you've openly declared that you needed Jesus to fix some things in your life and you needed salvation, I want you to stand right now. 
If you're bold enough, stand up. Amen. Stand up if you've raised your hand. Just stand up, be bold, because God is moving in your life, and he's doing things in your life. And look, look around. Look at this. Let's give him a big hand. How awesome of a God do we serve that never leaves us or abandons us. Amen. How awesome is that? Our God is good. And he's doing something in this generation. I wanted you to see it firsthand. Whew. God help us to be who you call us to be this week. God help us to have faith and not doubt. God help us to have boldness to declare your word. And God, most of all, just stop our mouth from complaining. We truly believe that and we pray that with our heart. God, help us not to complain about other generations. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Sister Betty had a word that she felt like that the Lord impressed on her during worship. And I just want to read it to you here. It said, I would say to you, speaking from God, I'm well pleased with my church. Some of my people have a broken heart and are facing a lot of destruction. Know that I will see you through your tears that you have shed. I have seen. Know that this day I am well pleased with my children. If that's you today, God is talking to you. I think it's for all of us. But there's some that's very specific that God wants to tell you today. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Love God, love people. Be a blessing to somebody this week. Thank you for joining in online. We love you. You're dismissed.